0: You're listening to Go Full Crypto. I'm your host, Mugopshi Palway. This podcast is your best resource for crypto stories in the form of discussions and interviews. We uncomplexify tech jargon and we like to keep it simple. My co-host, Keegan Francis and I, we're here to empower you with the knowledge you need to confidently navigate your way into the world of crypto. Join us as we embark on the journey of driving the adoption of cryptocurrency. Join us in Going Full Crypto. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed
1: on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. At no point in time should the topics of discussion be construed or taken as investment advice. Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and their guests on this podcast will not be held accountable for any losses. The content discussed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are intended to be for informational purposes only.
0: Welcome to episode 23, everyone. This episode is slightly different from our past episodes because we came across this article written by Robert Breedlove. It's called Money, Bitcoin, and Time. And we loved so many phrases that were just so succinct in capturing the essence of what Robert Breedlove wanted to convey that we took a note of some of them and we wanted to elaborate on specifically three. So without further ado, let's begin. The first one we want to bring up is called, or is not called, but it's the phrase, money solves the coincidence of wants. And we want to break that down because it's so jam-packed with value. So money solves the coincidence of wants. Let's take one step back and really make sure that we're on the same page with what our definition of money is.
1: I don't know if I have an absolute definition of money necessarily. It uh, the Asking the question, what is money, kind of came out naturally after looking into cryptocurrency for me because, well, the word cryptocurrency has that currency word in it and you'll naturally ask yourself, okay, well, I kind of thought that currency was something that the government sanctioned and the government said that this was money and it's okay to use and why why is it that this new form of money cryptocurrency bitcoin others uh are now accepted as money so in order to talk about uh like the properties of money or some money solving the coincidence the coincidence of wants like you said yeah we might need a, a kind of concrete definition Uh, to to go off of
0: yeah so to begin with i read this somewhere and it said money is a belief system and after i read that this is a couple years ago it was eye-opening for me because all this time like you very rightly put before money was something that the government sanctioned money was just something that we used that kind of belonged to the government we had i guess permission to use because we had it we earned it in some way but when i read that one sentence, money is a belief system. And then, of course, there was more elaboration and context on that. It opened my eyes and my worldview to the many ways that people can conceptualize money. And money is can be a social currency. I mean, currencies of many item. Oh, sorry, currencies of many different categories exist, like social currency, or currency in kindness, or currency in favors. And we're all used to using these kinds of currency in one way shape or form without even knowing that we're transacting um, value in some way and money being a belief system is just um, that medium of exchange that everybody has agreed to agree upon
1: yeah i I like everything that you said there Uh, one of the uh, kind of important things to note here is that there's probably a list like dozens of uh, sentences long uh, like you could start the sentence, money is, and end it a dozen different ways and be right. Because I, I think the fact of the matter is that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, money is not just one thing. Uh, you said in that sentence or in that uh, that speech that you just gave, money is a belief system. That's one of the things. And then you said mo- money is a social construct. And both of those things are correct. And is uh, a belief system a social construct? Yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, so... Yeah, the money is a lot of things. It's also a medium of exchange. It's also a unit of account. It's also a store of value, right? And so here we've just given five different definitions of money and it, it actually is kind of difficult to give our users one concrete definition that money is. It's hard to put it in any one box because so, it is so many things.
0: So how about to talk more on money solves the coincidence of ones. Let's For this particular statement, consider money to be a unit of exchange or a medium of exchange, sorry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, rather than talking about what money is, we can talk about what money does. And that's kind of where that phrase comes from. comes from money solves the coincidence of wants, and that's what it does. What is the coincidence of once? That's actually such a tough phrase to say. Uh, nailed it last time, though.
0: Coincidence.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so what what is that exactly? Well, if you and I show up at a market and you have pencils and I want pencils uh, and I have sheep and you don't want sheep.
0: <laughs> what, what sort of market? I don't know. <laughs>
1: the pencil and sheep market. Okay. Uh, yes, no problem. Uh, those were the first two objects, uh, goods that I pulled out of my head. Uh, my head's a random place sometimes.
0: Yeah, seems like it.
1: Okay, so you're a pencil salesperson. I'm a sheep salesperson. I might want pencils, but I'm not willing to part. With, uh, you don't want my sheep, so we have a non-coincidence of wants. You don't want what I have, therefore we can't have it in an exchange. And what money does is it gives us the ability. To have this middle thing that essentially is valueless, uh, that we can exchange through that. So I can give you, um, or I can go sell my sheep for money, and then I can give my money to you. You believe the money has value, I believe the money has value, I get pencils, you get money, and you get to take that money and buy whatever you want.
0: So it does sound like money is valueless without context.
1: Yeah, without that social construct and that belief system, it it needs to actually have that kind of triviality behind it. That's um, I mean, if you just look at the paper bills or the, the, the coins that you have in your pocket, there's nothing really inherently value uh, valuable about the, the money that you carry around. Uh, the digits on your screen are actually pretty meaningless with aside from the context of hey this is a bank it holds your money hey this is issued by the government
0: yeah i have a really good example for that too so if you're traveling you need to convert the currency that you um originally have into the currency of the place that you're visiting because in that particular social um economy sphere, sphere, yeah. Sphere, sphere, yeah you the currency that you come with is not accepted Understood, believed in, and hence you can't use it. So, currency, uh, especially government currency, has a very local mm, sphere. Or yeah, belief system. Like local, the belief system is local to its country, except when we talk about world reserves.
1: Yeah, and the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is one of those ones that can generally be taken anywhere in the world, and it's uh, you might not have a merchant accept it directly, but. They'll probably be able to point you in the right direction uh, to get it exchanged or it's recognized like, oh, I know that as money. Whereas if I bring out a Canadian dollar bill, maybe they'll look at me sideways and like, uh, no, I don't know what that is. Sorry.
0: I know Canadians are kind, but (laughs) uh, keep your money.
1: Right. And so the Canadian dollar belief system kind of only works inside the borders of, of Canada. And the U.S. dollar belief system is actually one of those ones that is so strongly enforced worldwide that almost everyone can recognize what a U.S. $1 bill is.
0: And if I may, Bitcoin is the currency that everybody in the world recognizes.
1: As a non-sovereign, meaning without government, form of money. Uh, So, yeah, I think we we did cover that money solves the coincidence of wants. Uh, That's just kind of one of the problems that uh, that money solves. This is one of the reasons why humans invented money in the first place is to make sure that I can trade with you and you can trade with me without us needing what the other one has. Yeah. Uh, I do want to make one more note on this, and this is also directly from Robert Breedlove's. Uh, um, what, what is it? Bitcoin time and money. Bitcoin money and time.
0: Money Bitcoin. And time. Money Bitcoin
1: and time. Thank you. Uh, and it's the uh, the coincidence of scale. So uh, one of the reasons why I actually chose pencils and sheep is because uh, <laughs> it's difficult to measure sheep in terms of pencils. How many pencils do, like if we did have uh, a, a good exchange, like if you wanted pencils and I wanted sheep, uh, sorry, other way around. If you wanted sheep <laughs> and I wanted pencils, how many pencils of mine do you need in order to make it a good trade for you? You're giving, you can't give me half a sheep because I want a live sheep. And uh, how many pencils equals one live sheep?
0: It does depend on whether or not I want to uh, eat the sheep, but I, I guess I, I do get your point. Yeah, yeah, it's not divisible in the same way.
1: It, yeah, so the coincidence of scale doesn't exactly work out. You can't trade, uh, let's, I don't know, let's just pick a random number, uh, one and a half million pencils for a host. No one will do that deal, right? That's That's not something that works. But I can sell a million and a half pencils to a million and a half people and have a million dollars. And then I can go buy the host that I want because money is that that liquid asset. And I used the word that we're going to cover next.
0: Yeah, which is the second statement. Actually, you know what? I, I want to um, simply just say that statement once again, the one that we just talked about. Yeah. So money solves the coincidence of wants. That was what we just talked about. The next thing we want to get into is money is the vital lubricant for human exchange.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this actually is kind of a riff off of the coincidence of wants.
0: I agree. It kind of just supplements what we just talked about, because the vital lubricant for human exchange is essentially the medium that money provides in order to facilitate an exchange between two parties.
1: Right. Otherwise, you and I at the market selling sheeps and pencils, we would need to go and find other people. And that is friction, right? More time spent getting what I want is essentially friction. And uh, what does lubricant do? It reduces friction. And so by having a money, a common medium of exchange, we can reduce the, uh, the friction in a financial or economic transaction. And so in that way, money is a vital lubricant for human exchange. And it's actually probably one of the most effective ways at growing the human economy. Money is the bedrock on which economy stands and probably all human productivity. Since we have this, it, we can do so much more because we save so much time. Not looking for people that want exactly what we want in the quantity that we have to offer, and now we can we can sell halves of things and multitudes of things for money. Store that over time because money is a, should be a store of value. Take that money onto uh, maybe a week or a month or a year later, and and save up and buy something large with it, and and that's. That's essentially the the lubricating effect that money has.
0: Absolutely. So I, I think that you said everything about that statement really well and succinctly. So just to summarize what we just talked about was money is the vital lubricant for human exchange. And that brings us to the third statement that we wanted to cover, which is most liquid assets, most scarce supply.
1: Yeah, so money is the most liquid asset with the most scarce supply and that word liquid often
0: also scarce (laughs) what scarce supply i mean this money sorry most liquid asset most scarce supply is i don't think this is being well this is what money should be but it isn't something that you talked about is money should hold its value and something we hear a criticism against bitcoin is that it doesn't hold its value because it's volatile and Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> but if you zoom out, uh, there's no but I hear actually. And if you zoom out, it actually holds more value since its inception. It's
1: been growing. Rather than
0: depreciating in value. Yeah. And if you talk about government currencies, just to compare, they are depreciating with the amount of value they hold, with the amount of purchasing power they hold. So if you were to compare a 10-year... I don't know if 10 years is enough to... Really well, let's compare 10 comparison. years because Bitcoin's
1: 10 years old. That's
0: true. Yeah. Uh, you like the, the graphs are going in the opposite direction. While Bitcoin continues to hold more value, with inflation, money continues to hold less purchasing power.
1: And going off your 10-year riff, let's make a direct comparison between one US dollar and one Bitcoin. If you had one US dollar in 2010... Uh, what that US dollar would be worth right now in terms of purchase power is about 87 cents. And if you bought one dollar worth of Bitcoin in 2010, the same day that you tucked that other dollar away, today, you'd have about $440 million. So sorry, 1000 $440,000. For every dollar that you invest in Bitcoin in 2010, you'd have $440,000 today. So yeah, it's not... Uh, stable Um, but you know is it supposed to be Uh, it's kind of showing everyone that it's, it's pointing out the elephant in the room and it's that inflation is actually happening all around us all the time in 10 years spans to government fiat assets.
0: I would say that money is supposed to be stable. So when we were going off of the money is this money is that money should be stable because like you said, if you wanted to buy if I wanted to buy five sheep from you and I bought them for five dollars one day, I shouldn't have been able to buy them for four dollars in a week's time, because then I feel like I I didn't get the best deal that I could. Right. So, yes, money should also hold its value. And I think it's a permutation and combination of definitions of money that will, that for each person, that will determine what you consider money and what you don't consider money.
1: Right. So, yeah. 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 So I just want to talk about Bitcoin just for a, a quick moment, about, uh, like the, the volatility of it and how it's actually going down over time. And that's because it started from nothing and it's growing to the size of a global economy, of of an actual global peer-to-peer cash system. And when you put it in that context, you understand where the volatility is coming from. Uh, There's a lot of people that don't really know what it's worth. And uh, that's essentially what causes the volatility. I think it's higher. I think it's lower. That causes price fluctuations on the market. And that essentially price fluctuations are volatility. That's what volatility is. And over time, we're seeing that amount of volatility go down as more and more people agree that what its current price is, is probably a fair estimation of what it actually is. In the early days, you might see Bitcoin fluctuate by 50% in a single day, but that is an extremely rare event nowadays. Uh, We had one event like that in uh, March of 2020. But granted, we also had that exact same kind of crash happen on the stock market, which is a $30 trillion enterprise rather than Bitcoin, which is a $200 billion enterprise. It's small right there. All, yeah. all that to say is that volatility <laughs> is going down over time with respect to Bitcoin because it's actually boistering itself. It's just stating it's uh, it's in a pupa of sorts. It's it's getting birthed into the world and uh, and it has, I mean, it's reasonable to think or to know that there is a, a period of volatility in the beginning stages.
0: Yeah, well, we digress very far from our <laughs> first point, but but it was it was a good uh, good tangent. So coming back to the last statement that we wanted to discuss today, which is most liquid asset and most scarce supply. Uh, so let's go back to the first part of that statement, which is most liquid asset.
1: Yeah. So what that means is that it refers to its saleability, um, meaning like how often, how easily can i sell that uh that dollar or that bitcoin on the open market so when you
0: say saleability i wouldn't assume that it's spelled s-e-l-l-a-b-i-l-i-t-y i like,
1: actually don't know how saleability is spelled I, I have guess, to say
0: i've never heard that word before oh really until i've read it in money bitcoin and time
1: yeah so i'm, I'm gonna actually just break down what saleability means in, in a way that i think our listeners will, will be able to grasp it pretty easily when you go and buy a coffee you're selling dollars for coffee you're also buying coffee but you're selling dollars so on on either side of an exchange uh there's a buyer and a seller to the coffee shop they're selling coffee and they're buying dollars to you you're buying coffee and selling dollars so the saleability of something uh, refers to how easily you can get rid of the thing that you have Uh, with respect to the u.s dollar its saleability is very high it's
0: so interesting you say that sorry i just wanted to get back to that point because you know from someone who um, hasn't read much about saleability their point of view is oh the coffee person is selling me coffee and i'm buying coffee and money is the medium of exchange i would not think of it as i'm selling the coffee vendor money right in order to purchase coffee
1: that is technically what is happening but i agree it is very uncommon to hear it said that way and which is why i think that it needed to be said here on this podcast is because it's a different way of looking at that social interaction
0: i think it's just the definition of sell someone would think that or i would think just to go back to my pre-saleability definition brain um to sell is to exchange a good or a service for money but here the definition changes slightly
1: and it's to sell a good or a service for another good or service
0: where the other good or service is money
1: sure uh well no no, not necessarily because like on either side i don't have to exchange something for money or money for something Right. Like you and I can barter and I can say, hey, I'm a graphic designer and you're a web programmer. I'll trade you my services for your services. And there's no money being exchanged there.
0: I agree. But for the sake of this conversation and understanding the definition of sell as versus saleability, can we um, talk more about how selling money looks like? Because the word sell would is almost always assumed um, to Get something in return for the thing that you're giving back.
1: Yeah, usually it's talked about in, in in like I'm getting money in return. But when I'm selling something, I'm selling my house. I'm selling it for money.
0: Yeah, but it's never the other way where you're selling uh,
1: my dollars money for a house,
0: and then you're getting yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
0: so interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a mind warp to think a bit about it, it that is, way. Yeah. But uh, I think it's it's pretty useful because like in the when we talk about the most liquid asset, the word liquid. Um, kind of well, I mean, water. How easily is water poured from one container into another? It's
0: transportable,
1: exactly. And so, divisible that's kind of where that word comes from. I can easily transport, divide my dollars, um, and and, and that's and give it to basically anyone in my economy who accepts it. And that makes it the most liquid asset. And and so, with the most scarce supply, this is the most controversial part of uh, of this conversation because our money that is driven by government is becoming less and less scarce over time and what does that do what exactly does that do to uh to the value of your dollars or the value of your money regardless of where you are
0: this is just where demand and um supply come into play because let's say right now we are in the global pandemic this podcast is being shot in 2020 there is more demand for having money in circulation. We just need it as an economy because without that, we probably will not be able to get through this since no one expected it. Like no one. I mean, um, we had a really good conversation with uh, Stephanie earlier, and she was saying that we we can all sit in our chair and criticize what has what decisions have been made in with respect to. Um, printing money or not printing money or we can always criticize but we're not the ones making that decision and i'm talking more about what is the most scarce supply right now money isn't the most scarce supply but that is also because we have created an economy and created an environment where we have made money not be scarce because we can produce more of it at will
1: very easily
0: very easily or when it's necessary yeah
1: yeah so I I really love how Robert Breedlove frames this in uh, and I'm gonna read it once again.
0: Money, Bitcoin, and time.
1: Money, Bitcoin, and time. Uh, he draws the example as it may or may not be trivial, but it uh, it illustrates perfectly what scarcity actually means uh, and how it actually works in an economy. So. Uh, through the last millennia, so the last thousand years, we all know that uh, Europeans in uh, went all over the world and they colonized all sorts of different places. Upon doing this, one of the ways that they would assert their dominance in new areas is by identifying what the money supply is. And after they've identified what the money supply is, they would actually go away, find out how to recreate that money supply and totally uh, inflate the value. Uh, sorry, inflate the supply yeah. of, of the place that they are visiting. So I'm going to use one example, glass beads. This was being used in a place in Africa. Uh, they would tie them on a string. It actually worked as a pretty good money for them because where they were, that, those glass beads were scarce. They were difficult to produce. Uh, you could transport them easily. Everyone accepted them as money. That's what people used. Uh, but what the colonists did was went away, cr- manufactured a bunch of these glass beads very cheaply, and then came and bought all of the expensive goods that this economy had to offer. And this totally crashed all of the economies that they would actually go in and and, uh, and observe. So they would go and buy the all, all the gold, because that's what the, the colonists valued. They would go and they'd buy livestock, because that's what the colonists valued. And little did they know that the, the people that were getting, well, colonized, for lack of a better word, uh, little did they know that their economy was actually being... Um, Well, reprimanded (laughs) uh, by by the colonists. So this is what a most scarce supply means. This is why it's important to be critical about uh, the printing of money. Uh, In the light of another kind of money with a more scarce supply, uh, the more scarce supply money always wins. It outcompetes whatever the other alternatives are on the free market. And let's let's dive into what that means. So th- I'm I'm actually kind of speaking from Robert Breedlove's uh, article directly here. Uh, like when I say that uh, a more scarce money will outcompete the other other monies, eventually if there is something better than fiat dollars, more scarce than fiat dollars, it will outcompete it. Uh, and that is Bitcoin because it, it is an absolutely and totally scarce money. That is
0: Bitcoin right now. Sure. Yeah, I just kind of want to uh, bring this against us in, in a way, and I'm just thinking that, okay, cool, we, we're so for Bitcoin right now, and what if one way that governments could turn this all around and make it so that their current um, currency is deflationary in, in by design or in design, and they start implementing it, which means... They have, if you have the ability to circulate more money into the system, you must have the ability to also take it out. And what if to make money more scarce within governments, that's what was decided to be done that, oh, okay, cool. In 2020, we had to pump so much money, but for the next 15 years, we're going to deflate the amount of uh, currency that is in circulation. And just make our money more scarce then does bitcoin still have a chance
1: that's a good question yeah i I, I think it does because like a money is not just the control who is in control and what is the controlling factor of its supply it's it's multifaceted there's a lots of uh different details that go into what makes a money competitive uh like the U.S. dollar versus the Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, sure. They've got all these levers and controls, and they might be able to take some money out of the supply. But there's still that trust factor. There's still that belief system, and, and I think that people are gravitating more towards the belief system based on mathematics and not human control. And and I think that that trend is uh, much more appealing. That that attribute is what much more appealing to the average individual.
0: I'm just thinking out loud here, and that trend will is already more appealing to a chunk of people, but those same chunk of people are also uh, most likely or a majority of them still transacting in the the currency of their particular government. And I wanna rephrase something that I said earlier, it's not whether or not people will choose the alternative, it's how the alternative will play into um, being a choice for everyday purchase, if at all.
1: Right, if you're living in a place with no internet, then there's not really a space for bitcoin to come in and compete with whatever currency you're using which is a perfectly valid critique of bitcoin like it totally depends on the internet being around you and we're actually still not at a point in time in the world where the internet is around every single person on the planet 24 7. Which and money the, should be.
0: Yeah, and I've this is something that someone has brought up in one of our workshops. The workshops that we gave before is um, internet in itself is a centralized aspect um, because the same internet that we have access to right now is not the same internet that, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not saying this in the correct way. Access to the internet. The internet is the same. But the, our access to the Internet is controlled by a third party. So we don't have direct access to the Internet. And that's always going to be um, a part of centralization within access to decentralized information.
1: Right. Yeah. There's always aspects of decentralization. Decentral, centralization
0: within decentralization.
1: Yeah. And calling something decentralized is... It's kind of like laying a blanket statement on something. It's uh it's only half truth or maybe a quarter truth because there's a number of multifaceted uh, details that get left out of the conversation when you call something. Oh yeah, it's just it's decentralized. Therefore, it's great and it'll work.
0: Yeah, I I think instead of saying truth, it just layers right like. Uh, on a very high level, we can say, yes, it's decentralized. And then once you start getting more specific with what exactly you're talking about, you can get more specific with what exactly is decentralized and get more specific with the definition. And talking about definitions, this last statement, most liquid asset, most scarce supply, really coming back to how we started, I think this is a perfect example of what the definition of money is, which is money is or should be, the most liquid asset with the most scarce supply.
1: Yeah, and I hope that we broke that down well enough for our listeners. Uh, If we didn't, you can certainly send your questions to ready at goalfullcrypto.com or reach out to us on any one of our many social media channels, (laughs) including YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh yeah, go to gofolcrypto.com and throw us a message because we, we want to hear from you and we want to hear what we didn't explain quite crystally clear. Yeah. Because that is our goal at the end of the day. Our goal is for you to ask yourself the question: what is money? And what should money be? Does my current money serve my needs? Does it meet all of the requirements of being a good money? And those are really good questions to ask yourself right now in 2020. Uh, and that's those are kind of a couple of our beliefs there. And if uh, you
0: listen to this in 2021, it's OK, better late than never. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be evergreen content. So or even 2022 or yes, that's true. <laughs> OK, Wonderful. yeah. Also, if you are enjoying our content, don't forget to leave us a rating on your favorite podcasting apps so that more people can get access to this as well. Just kind of like a trust building um, into the fact that we're pumping out this sort of content. It would be hugely beneficial to us, and we would much appreciate it.
1: Ratings are like currency <laughs> in the podcasting place. Okay, so do us a favor, oh Keegan, and give us some some currency in the in the ratings department.
0: <laughs> that's all. That you introduced the second layer of currency there, which is favors. So yeah. Currency of favors. Right. How are we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are we gonna return the favor? <laughs> I was
0: just gonna say while well, we're producing content. This is true. All right, thank we you. Yes, we digress. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and stay tuned.